how do you create that work-life balance to still create amazing work? Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made By Things, this is The Command Z Show. All right, so we're back with another Command Z Show. And uh, I'm really, really excited about our guest today. Uh, somebody that, um, somebody that I've looked up to for for quite some time now, and uh, he has has done things the right way, if you ask me. And I'm sure that he'd probably uh, not say exactly the same thing. He'd probably be like, "Oh no, I know that's what you're thinking about saying, right?" Anyway. I'm just <laughs> I'm just letting you intro and then I will add my thoughts. <laughs> Great. And uh yeah, we we have a really good topic today that uh, whenever I thought about this topic I was like who do I believe would be best to talk about this? And before we get into that, we have Jeremy Slagle here. Jeremy, go ahead and introduce Oh, so you're introing the person that's coming on after me. I see. <laughs> I see how that is. Uh, yeah, I'm Jeremy Slagle. I'm also based here in Central Ohio area. I'm a graphic designer and an illustrator. Um, I've been doing this on my own for the last going on. I think it's going on 13 years. It is uh, this November will be 13 years. Um, I'm uh, got an amazing wife. We just celebrated 24 years, and I have uh, two children. Well, they're not children anymore. My son will be 21 in November. I cannot believe it. Uh, and he's finishing up uh, college this summer. And then my daughter just graduated high school this spring. Uh, she, and both of them are following my footsteps going into graphic design and illustration as well. So, yep. Look at that. I know. I've been a bad influence, nice. apparently. <laughs> right. So, all right. That gets me to uh, the question that I have or the topic that we have here. Now, one of those big reasons that you've been an inspiration to me is not just in the work that you create, but kind of how you go about doing it. You you do the work that you do in a way that honestly I've never seen before. Um, I've uh, in my time that you know, I guess getting my first job and moving out to Los Angeles, I didn't really have any other um, no, I guess influences that didn't believe in the whole, like, just, just hustle hard and just work your tail off and work till, you know, work all night, do whatever. That was like primarily what I was around. And it wasn't until I came to Columbus where I was like, oh, this, this guy's doing some really great work. And I started diving into just who you are a little bit more. And I, it didn't take me very long just meeting a couple people in town where everyone's pointing at you as like, Hey, you need to meet Jeremy. And, um, one of the things that that I see is that you, you know, so whenever I say I don't I don't see anybody that's done it like you, I don't see anyone that's prioritized family and still created a successful business. Now, successful on the outside, I don't know anything about the internal <laughs> workings of it, but um, from my perspective, it it very much seems successful, and that's that's a huge inspiration to me as a person that also 
um, you know, puts their family first, like how, you know, with the sort of path that, that you create to be able to do those things. So long version of the, the question. <laughs> now, the short version is how do you create that work-life balance to still create amazing work? Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think uh, growing up with a dad that modeled a lot of this for me um, had it. Well, both my parents who modeled this for me makes this an easier thing for me than it does, I think, the average person. Um, but I think, you know, just listening to what you were saying, I wrote down a couple things. And um, my first question would be for anybody who's struggling with work, work life balances, what are you working for? Why, what is your purpose for working? Um, and I have a little story. Like when I first started out on my own, um, I kind of ramped into running my full blown studio to, by myself by doing odd freelance jobs where I would end up on site at different places and such. And um, I remember one morning I pulled into the parking lot and there was another designer who uh, had been also freelancing at this place that I was at. And um, we were working on a pretty cool project together and I followed him into the parking lot and he had this sweet BMW. It was awesome. And I was like, we pulled in, parked next to each other. I'm in my like 20 year old Honda Civic and um, we hop out of the car and we're walking to the front door and I was like, dude, that car is awesome. Like that, I love it. It's gotta be fun to drive. And he looked at me with this face and he just said, I hate that car. And I was like, what? I was not what I was expecting. And what he shared with me was, you know, I've worked for an agency for years and years and years. Um, and I had that car pinned to behind my cubicle. And I told myself, when I have enough money to buy that car someday, I'm going to buy that car. Um, so he ended up going out on his own and initially being pretty successful with his freelance jobs. And as soon as he had the money saved up, he bought the car. Um, it had to have been a $50,000 car at the time. This is 13 years ago. Um, so $250,000 now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And, the, and don't even think about what the gas costs. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, he said, um, he said it was, a, it was great for a little bit and now I can't sell it. I can't get rid of it or I'll lose my shirt and I'm having to work a ton of hours. I'm having to take every freelance project I can get in order to be able to pay the insurance and, and all the expenses that come along with that car. And, um, and it just, what it meant to me to hear him say that and be completely vulnerable and honest, um, just kind of helped ground me a little bit in that moment to say, you know, what is he working for? He, his work-life balance is off kilter because he's, he was chasing after the thing that he thought was going to bring him joy and it didn't bring him joy. In fact, it didn't, not only did it not bring him joy, but it has brought him frustration, anxiety, all the other stuff, right? And so I think oftentimes the best way to decide and determine and to kind of like reset your work-life balance is to figure out what are you working for? You know, are you, are you trying to feed this beast that you created? Are you, do you have overhead and debt and, you know, insane amounts of payments on things? Are you, you know, taking really expensive vacations? All of these things are good if you can afford to do them. But um, we live in a society today and I've, I've seen it among a lot of people that basically are saying, I deserve that. 
And so I want that. I'm going to have that. And it doesn't matter what the cost is. And oftentimes the cost is our families. Oftentimes the cost is our families. Um, you know, my kids would much rather have me around to just be their dad. My wife would much rather be able to sit out on the patio and have a, a fire in the evenings and roast marshmallows than for me to be in here working and then taking her on some exotic vacation every once in a while so we can reconnect. Um, so I, I think, you know, we, we struggle sometimes to like, look at it and go, well, work-life balance means we're done at five. And then we're this and this, it's like, you can struggle for the hours and you can struggle for the time and you can try to create as many boundaries as you want around yourself. But at the end of the day, if you are living a lifestyle, you can't afford, uh, none of so that much matters. There. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm writing a lot of this down because so many things that I want to, so many threads that I want to pull from this, um, yeah. And, and just to give you another illustration, like I uh, co-founded and ran an agency with a friend for years and it was great. Um, and what happened was it transitioned from when there was just two or three of us in an inexpensive office space, we were able to work with really great inexpensive, like clients that didn't have a lot of money, startups, but super creative people that were willing to basically let us do whatever we wanted, um, trusted us implicitly. And as we grew and as the overhead went up and as we moved into a bigger space and had a higher overhead and all the expenses and the benefits and everything like that, the stuff that got us there, we couldn't really do anymore because we couldn't, we couldn't work with the people we wanted to work with. So um, that's why I made an intentional decision uh, 13 years ago that this is how I was going to hit the reset button. Um, I, um, I don't want to be in a position where I'm having to take every project, even if I don't want to do it in order to make ends meet. I want to be in a pl place where I can, um, you know, have the, the, the lowest overhead possible work with people that can't afford to work with a big agency, but, you know, bring me a ton of joy to work with. Um, and I can be way more profitable personally doing this. Um, and I'll, I'll take a job with a Snowville Creamery or, you know, a, a smaller company like that any day over working with nationwide nationwide if you're listening call me i'll still work with you but <laughs> but i i personally like working on the small budget projects i like working with people and helping them ways to save money on their packaging ways to to enhance their business um, for me it goes a lot further than just creating a logo or a package design um, and when you work with those small businesses and those startups and those moms and pops it's just, it's a relationship instead of, well, now we got to run this through the board. We got to make sure the shareholders are going to be happy with this. Uh, and it just sucks all the create the creativity out of a project like that. And everything ends up looking like everybody else's. So um, I've been doing this for the last 13 years. And what you see behind me, this is my home studio. Um, and, uh, you know, I've done everything I possibly can to keep my overhead as low as I possibly can. Um, so that I don't have to work insane hours and, and, you know, and I can work with the kind of people I want to work with. Do you, do you ever work late nights? Mm -mm. I mean, ever, What's the I would say in a year, I'm just, yeah, curious. maybe once or twice where I'll have to just say, Hey babe, I got to get yeah. this done. And she's, and my wife's amazing. She's just like. Hey, you got to get it done, get it done. And, and I'll just crank on it, get it done. But I, I don't work weekends ever. Um, and I work, honestly, I work an evening, I would say past 530 
once or twice a year. Yeah. Right. And that that's kind of one of those big things that, that I know about you that's been kind of a little bit of a North Star for myself. Um, and honestly, I feel like I've been pretty successful at it where I'm like, okay, it's pretty much the same where it's like past 530. If it's past five, I already know I'm like getting into this dangerous territory. So I'm like, all right, let's try to get rid of stuff and 530, yeah. let's be done. And then, yeah, as far as the weekends go, no, I mean, I don't know, to me, it gets weird whenever, whenever people start calling and they're like, hey, we need to do a meeting today. I get to me, that's where it all starts is when you start saying yes to yeah. all those little things where, you know, dealing with somebody on uh, West Coast, if they're like, oh, I can only meet at five yeah. o'clock my time. It's like, well, instead of saying yes to those things, I mean, I don't know, I take a, a it feels like a gamble sometimes, but I'm like, let's just talk yep. tomorrow morning. It, like more often yeah, than not, I, it can I would agree with you. I mean, there are obviously situations where you got to hop on a call. Um, if it's an after hours call, right. I typically will take it as a phone call and I'll just walk. Um, I'll just get out and walk around the neighborhood, right. just get out of the office. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, my day starts early. I, I've realized about myself, I think this is something everybody needs to figure out. It's not that difficult. You, you, can, you can figure it out pretty easily just by observing your daily rhythm. What is the best time of the day for you to just be efficient and get stuff done? And for me, it's like 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. Um, almost to the point where if I didn't have any meetings, I could probably work every day 7 to 11 and never and not work any other hours. So what I try to do is load my eat my afternoons with meetings. So I have a calendar scheduler that that clients can go on, submit a time to meet with me. I have 7 to 11 blocked off. Can't schedule a meeting with me. Now, right. does that mean that if a client needs to meet and that's the only time they can meet, I'm not going to make an exception? No. But I don't, I'm, those hours are very precious to me. So I wake up every morning at about six o'clock. I roll out of bed. I uh, do my daily reading and devotions and prayer time. That's, that's like, that starts my day off every morning. Um, and it's, it's nothing big. I read like a couple pages in a short devotional book. Um, I'm going through a book right now about um, praying for my wife. And so that like every day, it just gives me some insight on how I can pray for her better, how I can be a more supportive husband, how, my, how I can love my kids better. Um, and then I spend a little bit of time just thinking I have a friend who just got diagnosed with cancer. Um, I've got, you know, a lot of other things on my mind. And I find that when I offload those at that point, and I just pray about it, and I just release it, then that stuff doesn't follow me for the rest of the day. So some of this stuff is actually really practical, whether you're a Christian or not. It's it's practical and practical stuff. It's like, I'm going to ground myself in the morning. I'm going to have my coffee in hand. I'm going to just take a little bit of time to just kind of center. Um, and then uh, I, I hit the, I grab some breakfast. I have the same breakfast every morning. I have cherries in uh, plain yogurt. And, and blueberries and then uh, a couple nuts on the side and, and I hit the ground running. And I would say from, if, if I'm usually in my chair by seven o'clock. So that's like two hours before the average person is actually commuting to work and sitting in their chair. So that's awesome for me. Like that's two hours I get. Um, so I'll work till about 11 o'clock every day and I prioritize the things that are the quick wins, get those out of the way. You feel really great when you've, when you've got that dopamine hit and your brain's like, you just did five things today, even though they only took two minutes each. Like it was send that email and ask for a meeting for 
for later in the week. That's a thing, right? You can get check those off your list quickly. It feels great. Um, I try to get uh, five or six things done a day if I can, like doable tasks. And even if it's not a big task, uh, if it is a big task, usually there's five or six steps that have to be taken in order to complete that task. And if I can knock one of those off today, great. Like keep it moving forward. Um, I get easily overwhelmed if I look at the step back and look at the big picture, but if I can focus on the next steps. Um, and then, you know, I spend my afternoons uh, either working or in meetings with with clients about the next thing. But, but what I've realized is once I get past lunch, I get a little bit of energy after lunch and then it just goes downhill till five o'clock. And when five o'clock hits, I'm done. Right. Like I, my battery is done. Right. I, I think about like athletes when you're, when you do your best on the field or on the court or wherever you happen to be playing your sport, sport ball. Um, when you go back to the locker room, <laughs> you should feel like you gave everything you left it all on the court at five o'clock. I feel like I've left it all on the, on the field and I don't have a drop of energy left. So, um, I need that time between five or five thirty to recharge my battery before six o'clock the next morning. Uh, if I don't recharge my battery before six o'clock the next morning, it's not going to go well. So that means I get to bed at, I try to be in bed by 10 o'clock. So I get eight hours of sleep every night. Um, you know, if, if not earlier, sometimes I disappear at nine, nine 30 cause I'm just whipped. Um, but that's kind of my day in a nutshell. I do take, um, every day I do some sort of a workout. So on, um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I go to the gym for about an hour and do like weightlifting cardio type stuff, uh, for about, for an hour. And then, um, like this morning, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a yoga class every morning. So I, I think if there's one thing that we're really figuring out here, it's that there's so much more to your life than yeah. just work, right? Like you, you talked about all these other things that play such a crucial role. Um, uh, one, well, I'm going to keep pulling oh, go ahead. one thread here for a minute. And I'm gonna let Shelby ask the next one. But, um, this idea of supporting your family, I think honestly is something I, my, my parents, they did the very best that they could. They were both supportive of me. Um, maybe not as much for each other as much. Um, and that's not to say anything like super bad or <laughs> I, th I think that they both could probably feel the same if they heard this. Um, but that's the one thing that I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody that, that has a business, you know, you have the, um, a, a, you know, you play a very important role in your family uh, as far as the, you know, income provider basically, but yet you're still, you still focus so much on supporting your wife and the kids at this time, almost as if it is part of your job. And that's, again, that's another one of those things to me where it's like, I, I personally didn't have that example, I guess, in my life. Again, not to say that my dad was like mean to my mom or anything. It was just, they just didn't really pay attention to that stuff. Like they both just went off to do their work and then they were done. Um, and honestly, again, that's, that's, that's one of the things that I try to do myself now is like, okay, how do I support my kids? How do I support my wife? Like, just because I work full time and if I am the only uh, income in our family, like that's not the end of right. my job. My, my job is to also right. be there with them. Yeah. I think the thing I struggle with the most when I talk with people about work-life balance is that 
we tend to compartmentalize. Like we tend to say, this is the professional me and this is the, the non-professional me. This is the time I spend with my family. This is the time I spend at work. To me, because I work from home, it's so integrated. Um, there really isn't a good dividing line. And um, so like for kindergarten through eighth grade, my wife homeschooled our kids. So not only was I running a business from here, I had kids running around. And um, Becky was really, really good about saying, you know, this is dad's space till five o'clock. And after five o'clock, you're allowed to, to enter that space. And believe me, at five o'clock, I had tugging on my shoulder like this. Right. And even if I was just <laughs> wrapping up an email or whatever, I, the rule was you could come in if you brought a cookie. But other than that, there was no coming into the office. So if you guys decide to bake some chocolate That's chip cookies, a good rule. believe me, I will not say no. Uh, but other than that, that, that was oh. how it was. And then as, we, as the kids started getting older and they started to say, started to express some interest in what I do, um, I would start taking them along with me. I would do a photo shoot at a university two hours away and I would need to be there for a couple of days and have a hotel and be like, dude, the hotel's got a pool, man. You can help me schlub camera gear around for the day and learn some stuff. So like from a really early age, my kids really embraced what I do with work. Um, I mentioned my dad earlier. My dad was a basketball coach my entire life at the high school and college level. And I would go, I was a horrible basketball player. I was not, I was not good at it, but I was on the team bus that when they would do out of state trips, I was on the team bus. I was eating at Golden Corral with them for dinner. I was uh, staying in cool hotels. I was, I, I got to do cool stuff because my dad invited me along to share the joy of what he does. And even though I never connected with him from a, uh, from the ability to coach basketball, um, what I did learn is that you can enjoy your work and you can love it and you can share it with other people. Um, so when we compartmentalize, we tend to think kids need to stay over there. Professional me stays over here, but I've just invited my kids into my world. Um, and so now like when clients come, I'm like, Hey, I've got a client come over. We're going to do a brainstorming session for, uh, for a creative kickoff on a logo. You want to join us? And they, they come in and sit and sit next to me and take notes. Uh, it's they're learning their trade already. So my son went to community college for two years in getting a graphic design degree. And at the same time, he's working at that desk right behind me. And he's back there, you know, working with me on projects for Scott's and miracle grow and like real, real clients at the same time. So his portfolio website is 100% for the most 95% real work with real clients that he has worked with them on those projects. Um, and he just landed his first full-time job. So, you know, my daughter's next. The, the desk's been cleared out and she's moving up here next. So she starts college in the fall. She's going into the same program. We're going to do the same thing. And um, it's just welcoming people in into your joy, I think, is is one of the big, the most important parts of what I do is to just welcome them in, use it as an opportunity for growth for them as well, and and kind of tear down the walls of what professional you and and what personal you is. Yeah, love it. Kind of rolling with that, I was I was thinking about the idea of like the healthy boundary, and it seems like you have those, but they're also a little bit blurred. A little bit those boundaries are, and I think that's really fascinating. Especially you mentioned the word um, the, the reconnect at the beginning, where oh, you know, we could all 
you know, see each other every day, or we could go on one big vacation at some point, and then we all have to reconnect. Yeah. And I think it's so great to have those boundaries kind of broken down a little bit more. So that way you're all together. Mm -hmm. You know, you, that, that boundary doesn't so much exist where you have to reconnect later on. You're already connecting and you're already sharing that space together. Yep. My wife's love language is uh, fire pit. If, if you, if, if it's not raining out uh, and you ask her what she wants to do on any given evening, it isn't, I want to go out and go shopping. It isn't, I want to go out for dinner. I want to do a fire pit tonight. And I'm like, awesome. Let's do a fire pit. And we can sit out there. We connect. We listen to some, we hook up the Bluetooth speaker and we just chill. And the kids join us. Sometimes we'll throw hot dogs on whatever happens to be. Um, it, I, and COVID honestly helped us learn that more than anything else. Um, it seemed like we were much more go, go, go. We were still doing stuff with the family, but it'd be like, we're going to go out to Easton and shop for what? I don't need anything at Easton, but it's something to do. We started just finding ourselves being busy for the purposes of just being busy. And COVID really helped us go, you got your backyard, you got to figure something out. So I put in uh, a patio right. and, and we've, we've spent more time in that patio than anything. And then last year, um, I put a hot tub in. And the thing that's been so great about our hot tub is there's no TV out there. We sit and we get the, we hear the best stuff from our kids when we just all sit in the hot tub together for an hour. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. Um, uh, Hold on a second. Sorry. Alex. No, shut the door. Sorry, my kids are trying to leave the house and my wife's trying so to put the baby to sleep. you have to keep that in. So. Do not edit this part out. <laughs> this goes right <laughs> to the heart point. of it, right? Like that's, that's, it's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> See, th- th- I guess that's the thing. Right now, with my kids being a little bit younger, most of the time I'm like, all about it. I love that they kind of come in and they're curious about what I'm doing occasionally. But more often than not, they're like, hey, where's my iPad? I'm like, listen, I have no idea where you put your iPad, but you had it like four minutes ago and I certainly didn't touch it because I've been here that's the whole That's the stuff time. that drives me crazy. And, I don't want to uh, come across being the guy that's always right. okay with like, whatever happens. My ADD, like once I'm on track on something, I have to have my own workspace. I have to get going. Right. But when I, yeah, when a, when a kid comes by or texts me or calls me and is like, hey, I need whatever, it's like, well, go find it. Like, I I get it. Like, there's, <laughs> it's like, there's certain things that are great, except when it derails me from a project, it is. It's like, that is one of the difficult things about working from home. I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, but, but there are also times when it's like, you know, Jeremy, I've got to go. My wife will be like, I got to go two different places at the same time. Can you get faith from school? Because I got to be picking something up over here. Yeah, totally. Let's just put it on the calendar a couple of days ahead right. of time so I can schedule around it. But yeah. So. Right, right. No, that's, um, I don't know. I, yeah, like I said, it's most of the time it's, it's fun, but I, I'm definitely that same way. Even my wife will, I mean, she's, she's always done this for as long as I can remember. Um, She'll just send me a text. It'll just be like, what do you want to do this weekend? I'm like, listen, (laughs) like I have no idea. I'm not even close to that kind of headspace where I can think about the weekend. Like I'm just kind of in the zone right now doing this other thing. I can't Um, think evenings either. Like I tell people all the time, they'll be like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, whatever my family's doing. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> I love that. Um, I guess I'm, I'm curious about... I mean, you, you kind of already said like how you learned these things. But I'm curious, like, did you ever have any of these moments for yourself where you were like, oh, you know what? I'm too far into this. Like, what were some of these realizations for you whenever you decided like, okay, I can't, I can't work like this. I can't do that kind of well, stuff. Well, I remember um, my last job that I worked at, the agency I had referred to earlier, um, it closed rather abruptly and we had three days. Uh, I had been there for 12 years and we had three days to figure some things out. My wife's a stay at home mom, homeschooling her kids. I've got a mortgage payment. All of our benefits are done at the end of the month. Um, and you know, my initial response is to do what the safest thing is. And I, uh, fortunately people in Columbus know me well. And when they heard that we were closing, I started getting a ton of emails from people saying, we want to hire you. Can you come in and interview? And, um, so on one hand I have like a business closing that I have 12 years of clients I've been working with. And on the other hand, I could take the safe road and I can go and work for someplace. But, but I also know because I'm pretty connected here, the reputations of a lot of these places for the work-life balance problems. Um, and so I was, I'm one of those people who's just like, I'm going to go do everything with open hands. I will walk through any door that is in front of me. Um, and I just, I'm constantly praying, God, close the door. If I'm not supposed to do this, you close the door so I don't have to make make the decision. Um, so I went in and did interviews and I would sit there waiting for the for them to come out and the HR person to, to talk with me. And honestly, I felt like I had a 50-pound kettlebell just sitting on my chest. It I could barely catch my breath. And I knew that the reason was that if I took this job, as cool as the place was in the cappuccino machines and the pool tables and the weight room and everything else that came along with it, all that stuff was there to keep you at your job so you don't have to leave. Not because it's really cool and fun, um, but, you know, hey, we cater in lunches. I know why you cater in lunches. You cater in lunches because you don't want us to leave our our cubicle, you know, like that's all great. And I think that there was a time in my life when I was younger, before I was married and I had, you know, there was a time when I worked jobs like that, when the boss would come in at, you know, four o'clock on a Thursday and say, Hey, we need you to stay three hours later tonight to meet a deadline. And I did it. And it was fine. I have no regrets about that. Um, but as you get older and you have other things that take priority over your lives, you have to, you have to adjust to that kind of thing. So I just remember that really, really well. And I think I was supposed to go through that experience of those interviews so that I could feel that feeling, right? To know there was just something in me that was like, this is not where you're supposed to be. Um, and uh, I, I really trust my own tuition, my own intuition a lot. I think that's something that we have, um, as Westerners, we've forgotten about, you know? Um, we, we really should trust our intuition. It's important. So, sorry, I went off on a tangent yeah, there, but that's, that's fine. Um, one thing first then Shelby, I'll go over to you. Um, I, I think about that a lot whenever, whenever I was in Los Angeles, um, it's, it's such a weird time for me whenever I was there. Cause I was like, just work literally as much as you possibly can. People were like, oh wow, you went from Los Angeles to Columbus. Like, why would you ever do that? I'm like. Cause I was just working mm. the whole time. Like I really didn't have a whole lot of time for anything else. And like occasionally have like the weekends. Um, 
but you know, the, the people that I was working with, they were like, I mean, at the time I was like 24 ish, 23, 24. But I mean, my wife was pregnant at the time. So we knew that a baby was coming and I was like, this isn't going to work. Like, there's no way that I could just continue working like this. Like, I don't want to work like this. Um, but yeah, just being, a, being around people that like, I really admired everyone's work ethic that I worked with and they, they did amazing work and they, mm -hmm. they helped me learn a lot of things, but there was just one thing I couldn't compromise on. It was like, I can't, I just can't, I can't work here. So I, I initially I started looking at other places. I'm like, it's, mm -hmm. it's the same yeah. everywhere here. Like it just, everyone's really focused on career and I get it, but it's like, for me, I'm like, okay, so at the age of 25 now, like I had to sort of make this a, a decision that I was like, well, most people decide this in their thirties, but I'm trying to basically like retire, <laughs> if you want to call it that, like just slow down, I guess at the age of 25. And I was like, I, I feel like that's probably too early, but it's like, that's what I want. And, and nobody else could really understand that. So the, the day that I left there, they're like, well, where are you going? I'm like, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and they're like, you serious? Like they started laughing at first. I was like, yeah, I'm serious. Like, I think there's something special happening there and I want to be a part well, of think it. Think about just from this perspective, because I have a ton of people moving from all over the country into my neighborhood. Columbus is, is exploding. Um, if everything costs what it does in Southern California and the work it requires you, I mean, just owning a home and paying taxes versus being here. That goes back to what I was saying originally. Like if you are working to pay the bills and that is what's keeping you working insane hours, then make a change. Right. Find a place that doesn't cost as much to live at. And then you can save money aside right. and, and you know, focus on the important things in life. I heard someone say, and I'm probably super trite and a million people have said it before, but it's like nobody on their deathbed says, I wish I worked more. You know, it's all, I wish I had right. spent more time with this person. I wish I had love this person more deeply. So how can we, how can we not have those regrets? Right. I, I think another part of it is just another thing that I admire of you. This is basically me just inviting you on so I can give you just repeated compliments. That's, that's really what we're doing here. Um, is that again, like I, I was used to everyone always saying like, Oh, you had to be in New York. You have to be in Los Angeles, but I, I don't, I don't know. Did you ever have those dreams? And no. uh, I don't know. I'm no. curious your, your perspective I, on that. I, um, I don't. I, we bought the house that we live in in 2000. We paid $135,000 for it. Um, it's probably worth three times that much now with the way that the market's gone up and the way Clintonville's exploded. Um, right. And we bought it as a starter sure. home. Like it's a small house. We bought it as a starter home. We raised two kids in it. And we were like, what do we need anything else for? This has been, this is great. Like, I don't, I don't want anything more than this. Um, and for me, it's just about like going back to it. Like, I don't desire to live somewhere super expensive. What's, I, I have a client that moved to Columbus a couple of years ago, um, reset up his new shop here from Manhattan. And he's like, my partner and I can fly to New York, see whatever Broadway shows we want to see whenever we want whenever we want, because it's, and still save a ton of money by living in Columbus, Ohio. So, 
you know, you don't have to say it's not an either or you can say, I want to do this and it's going to save me a ton of money and time. And it's just, my life's going to be slower. That's the other thing I love about the Midwest. It's just a slower paced life. Um, you, you know, it's not go, 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 go. Uh, yeah, I, I have no, honestly, I have no desire to work in New York city. Um, no desire to work in LA, Chicago. It just, I love the kind of people that, that are here in the Midwest. I love the kind of clients that are here. I love working in agriculture when I have the opportunity. Um, but yeah, no, I've never, I've never wanted to be anywhere else. Yeah. Love it. Uh, Shelby, same question. See, I, I really like fast pace. Everything's happening at once. But I also, I was, I was thinking a little bit about, um, and I have a very different process. I love working at night. I mean, like I was up until one in the morning last night working on stuff for another project just because my process, sure. I think very, very well. At night. And I was thinking a little bit though about the comments about like that agency, that agency work style. And I, I was coming from a place before, before I started here with, with made by things and got into a different space um, where, you know, it was very much expected, you know, this is the agency life and you're supposed to work 10 to 12 hours a day. And that's just expected. You know, and there's there's no overtime. It's just this is this is just what you you should be working. And I I think that kind of coming into a different space where you're working from home and you're you're able to have that kind of a little bit more control over your over your work life balance. It's it's so much healthier. And I like that comment too from you, Matt, where you know you were you were 25 and you're trying to figure out okay, well I, I'd like to retire, you know, retire in air quotes. And I think right. about um, kind of. La Dolce Vita, which is the sweetest life in Italy, where, you know, in it's Italian living, it's all about, you know, family, food, and maybe you work four days out of the week. And you're, you're prioritizing those other pieces in your life. And yeah, I, I, I like that fast pace and I like having a lot of things going on and I like having, you know, a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, but being able to maintain those balances within your life and be able to maintain those balances within your creative life too is so important. Mm. So, I mean, I, I like being in the Midwest just because we do have a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Um, I guess I'm, I'm curious about this idea. You talked about mm -hmm. keeping a low overhead. Um, at what point did you learn that? I grew up, I grew up lower class to say the least. Grew up in rough neighborhoods. Um, you know, I have parents that loved me and supplied all of my needs. Um, but we always were on a shoestring budget. We always were trying to make whatever we had stretch as long as we possibly could. Um, so that, that's kind of baked into me. Um, I never owned a new car until I turned 40 years old and I re never owned really? a new car. Yeah. I went and bought a Honda Accord. And I had friends just make fun of me mercilessly that I've always wanted a Honda Accord. Crazy. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it now sits in my garage. I bought that in 2014. It's got 60,000 miles in it. It looks like it just rolled off the lot. And I plan on driving it until the wheels fall off, which means, you know, it'll probably, I'll probably have that car for 25 years. Um, and and I love that. I'm actually working, one of my clients right now are these guys from the Triple F collection. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Um, they have one of the most premier hypercar and supercar 
collections in in the United States, if not the world. And uh, last weekend at Easton Town Center, they put it all on display. They had over twenty thousand people come out, and we did all the merch design and. Yeah, I got st- yeah, I got stuck in that yeah. traffic. By the way, I oh, was yeah. like, "What is going crazy. on here?" <laughs> you should have just parked and come in because it was awesome. Um, and I go up to their property to meet with them. They have this two-story barn. They shoot all their YouTube videos there. Um, they've got a pretty big following on YouTube. And and you overlook this balcony, and they've got a McLaren Speedtail. There's like a hundred of them ever made. They've got another McLaren there. There's literally sixteen of them made. These are four million dollar cars. Um, and, and they, I, I can appreciate it. Their houses are unreal, you know, like right next to it is a 1954 Mercedes Benz Gullwing and in just pristine condition. And I walk out of there in admiration of the ingenuity and everything that went into designing and building those cars. I get in my Honda Accord and I have, there is not a single part of me that wishes I owned one of those cars. I just don't. I just, I am so, I'm just very content to to have the car that I have and know that if something goes wrong with it, I can find a million places in town that has that part for that car because it's the most driven car, you know, in the United States. I have no problem with that. Um, I just, that's just how I am. Um I like reliability. I like putting my money into things that are going to last a long time that aren't going to cost me a ton of money. Something that I have to fill with, you know, premium fuel every time and pay out the wazoo every month for insurance. Like for me, it's just a practical thing more right. than anything else. And so overhead to me, like an example, uh, I'm if you could see out that window, uh, you would see buildings on High Street. So we're eight houses off High Street, which is the main drag here in Columbus. For those of you not from Columbus. Um, and, um, I looked for office space there for a while while I worked out of my bedroom space and I looked at some places, I put some offers in, I almost bought a building, put an offer in on a building and, uh, started doing the math. And I'm like, if at the end of a five-year lease, you walk away with nothing, right? And then, and if you don't, you sign up, resign for another five-year lease at 20% more because it never goes down. Um, and then you have all the additional insurances right. that come along with having that space. Everything from electricity to high-speed internet to everything else costs twice as much because it's zone commercial. I basically did a spreadsheet where I figured out, like, what would it cost for me to be eight houses away to set up to get a professional office space? So I, I contacted my clients and I'm like, do you guys care that I'm, that I'm eight houses away from where you would meet me if I had a professional office space? And they're like, No. So I did the math and I contacted a a local design build team and I said, what would it cost to build the studio of my dreams on the back of my house? Um, And so we added a 750 square foot, two story addition on here. And what it worked out to be was eight years. So eight years, I have no, we, we just finished eight years. So it's basically free. So to me, overhead is like investing where it matters. Not to mention, it makes my house value worth more. So someday, if I ever move, which I never plan on doing, I'll have a lot more value in my house. It's just thinking through things like that that's a little more unconventional um, that can help you to kind of make make decisions. If I hadn't done that, I would be on my second lease right now, paying 20% more than my first lease and wondering what I'm going to do in three years when my second lease is up. So 
there's a stability right. and something nice about just, you know, investing in yourself versus doing it the other way around. So. Right. I, I, I love this idea that you talk about, like just kind of doing, doing the math. Um, I, I'm very much the same way where I had an office for a little bit, but I was like, mm, well, the only thing that makes sense now is either buying a building or just working out of my house. Like it just, I don't know, but I, I love this idea that you have this sort of humility about yourself that you could just go up to your clients and be like, hey, do you right. even care? Ask. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, that would honestly never cross my mind to even just be like, hey, do you care? Um, I just, I always thought that like, if I'm working from home, they're going to think that like, I'm, you know, charging too much or just too small of a company or just Well, I think, not, and I it's probably the same case with you. If they went and looked at other you know, animation companies that have a lot of overhead and, you know, a massive staff, then they're going to, and then they contact you as well. And you guys both submit proposals. I would assume that yours is going to be less um, and they're going to work with you. And frankly, they just don't care. They just don't care. I mean, I'm sure there are people that want to be wined and dined and, you know, uh, work with someone who's got those box tickets to the crew games that they'll let you borrow. That's great. (laughs) Um, I just... That's not my clientele. That's just not who I work with. So, right. No, I, I, I love that too. It's just, you're, you don't have a, um, a different personality that you work with. You just, you have one personality and you just kind of operate in all of those things. And again, that's another one of those things that I really admire. And I don't know if you know anything about what I'm talking about, but I feel like a lot of people, they Mm -hmm. kind of separate themselves a little bit. They like talk a certain way when they're with clients and they talk a certain way when, you know, coworkers and friends and family. But that's one of the things that I also try to do is like, like I want to, I want to be able to talk to my wife the same way that I talk to anyone on our team or clients and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know. Is that something you ever yeah, think about? <laughs> it's so funny because actually yesterday, so my wife and I walk about every day too. So on top of all that, like we decompress in the evenings we do four to six mile walk every night, just about, and and on the weekends. And it just gets us away, it gives us, gets us some fresh air, gets the blood circulating, gives us an opportunity to reconnect with each other over the day. Um, and I was telling her that I told a client the other day, I'm gonna try, but I can't promise that I'm gonna be able to deliver on what you're asking because you're <laughs> kind of asking for something that's outside my wheelhouse. Right. And she just was like, maybe you shouldn't say that. Like, maybe you shouldn't say that. And I'm like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I'm not one of those people who could be like, I'm going to make this work come hell or high water. And, and it doesn't matter. You know, I'm just one of those people who's super open. Like, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I do best. Um, and I know when I need to bring somebody else in to help, you know, with any given task. And if I'm out, I, I've, I feel like I'm the least certain about myself when I step outside my comfort zone and take on a project I'm not capable of doing or that I've never done before. That's not to say that we shouldn't be thinking about like, you know, getting better at things or, or pushing our boundaries. I get that. But at some point in time, you're just like, I am way out of my league here. Um, I'm working with a client right now who wants me to do, who we started out doing this retro vintage illustration style. And that was kind of in all the mood boards. And it's getting much clearer that what they want is a photorealistic representation of their product. And I'm like, you're pushing me way like illustrator has certain capabilities, but after that, it's like, it's gonna always look like an illustration. And, um, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm very open about that with clients. Like it, it is what it's going to be. 
you're, you know, at some point in time, you, what you're looking for is a photograph and then we need to get a food stylist and we need to set up a studio shoot and we need to do all this stuff. And they're like, oh no, 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 we don't want that. So it's like, sometimes it's working through people, working through things with people. But oftentimes I found the best way to work through that stuff is to just be completely honest about it. Like you're, right. you're taking me somewhere that I, that's not the realm that I'm best at, or even can do, I will do my best for you. But at the end of the day, I can't promise it's going to be what you have in your head. So right. it's a tricky thing. But my wife was like, we're, why do we're you about do to. That? Why do you tell them that? And I'm like, because I want to manage right. expectations. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I We're about to uh, start a, probably the biggest project that we've ever done. And it started off a couple of months ago with me saying, we've never done anything like this before. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just, it's, it's such a long-term kind of project where I'm just like, I have to just be completely honest here and expecting them to be like, oh, okay, sorry. And then just be on their way. They were just like, okay, well, how right. would you do it if, you know, you did? I'm like, all right, here, here's what I would do. Like, I certainly can think through those situations, but, um, and yeah, so I was like, wow, just this opportunity came about and because I was being so honest about it, I don't feel very much stress right now about this potentially biggest project we've ever taken on. And it's, it all, it all comes from that where it's like, I, I, you know, we have, we have just a very open communication. It's like, I feel like just, I don't know, for me, that's just, mm -hmm. that's how I want every project that we do to be. I mean, I can't obviously say to everybody, we've right. never done this before, but like, um, just, I don't know, to, to, to have that level of humility with, with other people. And, um, honestly, I mean, that's, that's, I, you know, I, I love LinkedIn. I love posting on there. And that's kind of my strategy there too, is like, you know what, I'm just going to be honest with what's going on. I'm not going to try to be like the thought expert necessarily. Um, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I'm like, I'm trying to be like the anti-thought expert where it's like, I want to be the person that's like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just, that's called humility. <laughs> you know, telling stories. It's about called that. humility. Right. There's far too right. many people that think they have all the answers and they feel like you only have value if you can answer everything. And it's like the, the people in my life that I found have the most wisdom are the ones that say, I don't know. Let me take time to think about that and get back with you, you know, or let me decide to figure out whether or not that's something I'm even, even capable of doing. Because at the end of the day, the thing for me that I've, that has kind of been my mantra is to love people through your work. If some, if I tell a client that I can do something for them that I know I can't do, I'm not being very loving towards them. And when, but when I tell them I can't do that, but I can do this, which I would better fit your budget. And, uh, I think it'll resolve all the, the problems that you have. Would you, are you open to that? They feel loved by me because I'm willing to step out and, and be literally willing to risk not having them as a client or have a project at all they feel that. And when you're genuine and you're just like real with people, um, and you love and you put that as a high priority for your work is to love people through your gifts and through your work, it's not going to ever fail you. And for people that don't resonate with that and they're like, Hey, no thanks. And they leave. That's great. You just basically saved yourself a ton of heartache because they're probably not the people you want to work with anyways. Right. Love it. Uh, Shelby, you wanna you wanna ask any more questions? Yeah, I just I just kind of wanted to put a comment on there just about process. Because you seem like somebody who is very aware of their process. And I think that, you know, 
even if it, you know, the humility within saying, you know, I, I don't know how to do this or I, I, I've never done this before. I think there is wisdom in that though as well, just because you, you know what you know, you know, and you're, you're aware of where you're at and you're reflective and you know your own process and there is wisdom in not knowing. And I think it's good to re retain that curiosity and to keep going, to keep pushing and continue to learn and to be honest and open about that as well. Right. It's, a, it's that self-awareness that you have. I think that's the thing that's, that's hard to teach and it's hard to learn is how to be just self-aware. Like, so whenever you go into someone's house and you're like, wow, this is a very nice house. Like, I wish I had a house like this. Like, and then, you know, to not just go home and be like, all right, we need to figure out how to budget for this new house. Um, it doesn't seem like you're like, that. it seems like you think about things just differently. Why you might be I like, dread oh, having nice house. to re-roof my like, house someday. Like I hate stuff like that. <laughs> and it's just being a homeowner. It's just part of routine maintenance, right? A, a, a roof lasts like 15 right. years and it's got to be redone. I, right. when I see like these insane houses, I'm like, to re-roof that house <laughs> would cost as much as my house costs, period. I just, right. there's something about it that I'm like, I have no, I just, I, I think it's just because I, because of the way I grew up and the level of practicality that I've been raised with. And fortunately my wife is the same way. Um, when I love taking her to yeah. go shopping, I love like if we have an evening and we can be out and we'll be out and about. She goes straight straight to the clearance section every time. She just doesn't barely ever looks at anything that's on the rack that's not in clearance. And half the time, she'll say, "This is super cute, but it's still only fifty percent off." And I'm like, "Buy it, buy the shirt." Like, and I appreciate <laughs> that about her. I love that about her. Sometimes I wish she could would be a little more willing to spend money on stuff to you know to a certain extent. But we're a great team as far as that goes. Um, right. When we got married, right. I remember we went and put our bank accounts, set up our bank accounts and merged all of our stuff. Um, and we took out a credit card and we took that credit card and we looked each other in the eye and we said, the month, the month that we don't pay this thing off, we're cutting it up and we're never having a credit card again. And we've been married for 24 years and we've never not paid a monthly credit off of monthly credit card payment in full. So there's, there are things, credit cards are great tools. They help you with budgeting. They help you kind of be able to look through all your purchases from the month before and categorize and see where your spending is. Um, you can earn airline tickets, airline miles, and all sorts of other cool perks and stuff with it. Um, there are benefits to using it if you use it right. It can also be a trap that puts you in incredible bondage as well. Um, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. I think anybody that can take the time to go through the process that Dave Ramsey has that can give you the freedom that you need for, for to have financial yeah, peace. Baby and steps. It's, I love that. It's just so simple. Like it's, it's like do this first, then do this, then do this. And you're, you're free of debt. And then now to bring this all full circle back to the whole discussion about work-life balance, if you're not working to pay off 20% debt on credit cards all day long, um, that gives you a lot more freedom now you have the opportunity to spend time with your family. Right. So I, yeah. It's, it's so interesting that you, you bring him up. Um, uh, Dave Ramsey. So he's uh, probably three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. I found, found the baby steps and I was like, okay, like let's, let's go through this and see kind of where we're at right now. And um, I mean, without, uh, I don't know. 
again, going back to my mom and dad, they're not the best with finances. So going back to when I was a kid, they barely had enough money to pay the bills. There was plenty of months where electricity was shut off uh, just for a day or two. Usually my mom said it was because she forgot to pay, but I don't really know the whole story. Um, so for me, it was always like, okay, I don't want that. Like, I, I, I don't know who to learn money from. I've never had a, an example, you know. But yeah, it wasn't until I found those baby steps where I was like, wow, that's yeah. it's really clever to put it in an actionable way yeah. like that. And just working through things that way. But it wasn't until, I mean, basically, I don't know, maybe last year I paid off my, oh, my school awesome. loans finally after 15 years, that's something great. like that. Right. And it, it, yep. it changed everything. Yeah in my head where I was like, wow, this is, this is everything yep. that I hoped it would be like to, to not have to like have that kind of debt yep. just always there. And, um, it, it 100% changed the way yep. that I talk to clients. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I think that it, it all comes back to, to that stuff, like just having yep. a good plan for your money. And, and like you said, like if you are having to take on more stuff, then it just, I don't know, you start trying to force yourself to be somebody yeah. or something that you're just yeah. not. I, I say invest in yourself. Um, you know, we can't control what the right. stock market does. We can't control what, you know, big tech's right. going to do. And, you know, uh, there's just, there's no way. We, it's completely outside of our control. So what can we control, right? Um, one of the things we learned early on when we bought our house is if you do the math and if you don't want to be depressed, don't do the math. But if you figure out what you actually pay for your house after a 30-year mortgage, it's, it's horrible. Right. It's, you pay over right. twice as much for your house right. at the end of a 30-year mortgage. So, mm -hmm. you know, the more principal you can pay down, the less interest you pay in the long run and the shorter the amount of payment is. So, you know, even in years where we were tight, I mean, we were super tight, we tried, always tried to make at least one additional mortgage payment a year. Um, and then as right. we could afford it, we'd make two additional mortgage payments a year. Um, and, and that just doing that, you can find calculators online all day long where it's like, you can just put your mortgage information in and say one extra payment a year. And it'll tell you, like, it just went from 30 years to like 20. Like it's incredible. Um, and, and that's right. all money you didn't pay any interest on. Um, there are things we can control to help, to help have a manageable financial life that you can't do uh, with the stock market. So invest in yourself. You know that if you right. continue to pay that loan off, even if you refinance, which sometimes actually refinancing can be the worst thing you can do depending on the situation. Um, you know, right. just, do, just think about it. Like run the numbers, think about stuff before you make decisions like this, but think long-term. Like what little things can I do today that add up to something really big later. Um, so, I mean, before I turned 40 years old, we were able to pay our mortgage off, which was huge for us. Yeah, so, I mean, awesome. I realize not everybody can do that, but it's it's at least something, but, right. it, but it wasn't like we just like, all of a sudden woke up one morning and said, we're gonna pay off our mortgage. We had been doing it for years, right. paying additional payments and watching it go down. And it almost becomes addictive. Like, once you start seeing what you can do, mm -hmm. it's like, if, if you have student loans, while there's debt forgiveness right now for this summer still, pay as much as you possibly can. Don't use this as an opportunity to like say, oh, great, my debt, I don't have to pay anything until interest kicks back in. No, pay it now because now you're right. not paying interest. So you just kind of have to shift your mindset right. and think through things a little more. 
Right. So this is uh, this is turning into a financial conversation, which I'm more than happy <laughs> for it to go that way. But for me, I was I was doing the same thing where I was like, hmm, like right now I could just pay the rest of my loans off, or I can wait, which I wait and see what what happens. I I get it, but I don't. For me, I was like, you know what? It will mean so much more to me if I was yep. to pay this off myself. Like, I, I don't know, maybe it's pride getting in the way a little bit, potentially. But it was, for me, I, again, being the first person in my family to go to college. And the only reason I went was because my mom said that she would pay for it. And I knew when she said that, mm. I was like, there's no way you have the money to do that. So she's she's trying. Like, I think that if I was to let her, I'm sure she would have tried. Um, But whenever I told her that I would go to college, I was like, my only thing there was I need to pay this off myself. And that's my gift to her is that she wanted me to do this. And that's, that's literally the only thing I thought about. And so anyway, I was, I was sitting there and I was like, I could pay off the balance right now. I'm like, or I can wait and maybe it's forgiven. But when, if it's forgiven, I don't, it just, it's not mm, going yep. to mean the same. I agree. To me. Like I, I can do it. I, 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 Again, don't want to get too far into it. I do believe that certain people got way in over their heads when it came to certain yep. colleges that they went to and yep. certain promises that were made. And I, I would, I would fully support a certain I am level. One, of I am one hundred percent for any my, uh... of those colleges forgiving the debt. <laughs> I'm not okay with everyone else's right. taxpayers having to forgive everyone else's debt. That's the problem for me. Like if, right. if you are a college that overpromised and you took money and you even did it in a way that was not right. uh, ethical, then you owe the money back to them. Then you pay that, pay that money back. I'm fine with that. Well, I guess, <laughs> right. And that's for me, I was like, you know what? I, I, I signed those papers. That's right. I, I agreed to do that. And I was like, you know what? For me, it would just, it would mean a lot. Now, my, my parents still have like some small parent plus loans that they had to get. And yes, for them, I'm like, you know what? They got involved in this and I wish I would have never gotten them involved in it. So like for them, I'm like, let's see if any forgiveness sort of happens here. Because for parents, it's just for me, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. But um, overall, though, I'm like, you know what? Like everything that I promised, like I just wanted to yeah. fulfill that. Yeah on my own and yeah my, my kids are my son went to columbus state i'm a huge advocate for Colum for right. for uh community college right. columbus state and then um find a place to work even if it's for free to learn your trade um chris doe is a huge advocate for that like i love his perspective on art school now obviously you want to build structures that are going to support uh trucks driving over them, please go to college, get your, all your certifications. I appreciate that. Uh, you're going to be like digging with scalpels in my body to help fix things. Go get, go get a college degree. I'm all for it. If you're making, if you're right. designing stuff, <laughs> right. there's a place for college, but there's such a wealth of knowledge you can find now online through domestica courses, through Skillshare courses, or just or just immersing yourself in working with somebody and saying, I'm really raw. I'm really rough. Would you take a chance on me? And even if you pay me a uh, minimum wage to work for you, um, I mean, I started in a screen printing shop. That's where I got, I got started. I wouldn't change anything, but my wife and I got married debt free, which was huge for me. And, and I, I wanted to make sure that that wow. happened for my kids yeah. too. So both my kids got into the honors program. Yep. 
So I think we, we're paying less than six grand for each of them for two years of college. They get an associate's degree in graphic design. They're, they're working for me and, and they're going to go out and change the world. So I'm excited about that. Right. And, and honestly, I think that's one of the, the smartest things right now. Like, again, with mm -hmm. me being the first person to go to college, like I had nobody, I had I was like, oh, okay, so like fifteen, thirty thousand dollars a year, whatever. I guess yeah. that's what the normal is. But I'm like, man, did I really need to do that? Like, and to get the education that I got, probably not. Like, I, I don't, I don't regret what I've done. But I know a lot of people that I went to school mm -hmm. that very much regret yeah. what they've done. <laughs> um, but it's it's that idea where I, I I do think that we live in a different time right now at the moment than even ten, fifteen years ago. Where it's like, yeah, now there's there's so much opportunity to be able to learn things. I mean, some some of these courses, I don't know, some of them might still be 10, 15 grand, but at least it's so specialized in that thing right. that you want to do where you're not, you know, spending a crazy amount right. on like the math classes or the bachelor's degree that yep. nobody seems yep. to care about anymore. But again, it all comes uh, back to work-life balance. If if I had if I had right. one hundred and forty thousand dollars of student loans, I was still trying to pay off. And I couldn't make ends meet working nine to five. I'm going to have to work more hours. It's at that point you're going, what am right. I, what am I working for? Am I working for freedom, for the ability to have a life? Or am I working to feed a beast that I created? You know, like what monster did I create right. that I, I now have to feed? Um, and I think that that's always been the right. thing for me is like, yeah, it'd be great to be able to take exotic vacations. It'd be sweet to have a house that big. Like there's things I, I, I can recognize those things, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, but, but how many more hours do I have to work in order for that to happen? You know? And I don't think we think about that. We live in a world today that is Im about immediate gratification. You know, if I want a meal from any place in town, I can order it right now on my phone. It'll be here in 30 minutes, piping hot and ready to eat. Like, we live in a, a, an right. immediate gratification world. And one of the things I've worked really hard with my kids on with them growing up is I know you really want to buy that $200 thing and you've saved up for it or you happen to have it in your account. That's great. Sit for 48 hours before you'd make that purchase. Just right. really take, we, we tend to be so emotional. I think raising kids from a really young age and helping them understand that um, that's the best time to, to teach them that stuff. Because oftentimes I find 48 hours later, they're not even talking right. about it anymore. And then sometimes it's a week right. later and they haven't even thought yeah. about it. And I'm like, you would have spent $200 of money you earned at like, you know, for, for like, uh, of allowance money, which took you like months and months and months to save up. And here you are a week later and I'm not thinking about it anymore. And that's, that applies to us as adults too. <laughs> right. Just take us, take a minute to think about it. Right. It's uh, my eight-year-old. Uh, he got $30 of Minecoin to buy uh, Minecraft-related things, right? And I just, I put it on his account. I'm like, do what you want with it, man. It's yours. And he spent all of it within like eight minutes, maybe. And he's like, uh, I ran out of money. I'm <laughs> right. like, oh, <laughs> what did you buy? He's like, I don't know, a bunch of stuff I don't even really like. And he's like, can I return it? I'm like, yep. no, you can't. Now you're stuck. And like, it's just, it's so funny to be there for when those oh. moments happen where it's like, you oh, have Caleb, I remember when Caleb <laughs> bought his first set of AirPods. He's going to kill me for saying this publicly, but um, 
I, he was too young. He wasn't responsible enough to, to own a little tiny tic-tac thing this big and not lose it. And right. of course, he had it for a couple of weeks, lost it, gone. You lost it on a bike ride. Yep. And I, as a parent, was, I mean, I knew how much time it took him to save up $150 to buy those. I knew it. Right. And it felt, it hurt. Right. Like it hurt me so bad when he lost right. those. But I also realized like one answer is I can jump in and save the day and be like, dude, don't worry. I got your back. Right. I'm going to go out and buy you another pair of AirPods, right? The other part of it is, is I can let this sink in and I can let him remember this moment forever so that later it's not a $20,000 right. <laughs> mistake or a $100,000 mistake. Right. You, we learn from things. And as parents, so many times we want to bail our kids out of, the, out of the mistakes they made. And it's like, no, this is a learning opportunity. Let this soak, let this sink in and let right. it become a learning opportunity. I really love that idea. I mean, it's especially when $150 is less than some college yep. textbooks still. So you're like, wow, that was a really quick book. Yeah. But at least you Caleb learned Caleb had his, <laughs> his heart really set on going to another college um, that was going to be a lot more expensive. Um, but when I said, here's the math, here's how this works out. This is what it does for you for college debt. Right. Just figure it out. It was a no brainer. He was like, no, this is what I want to do. So, sure. but we have to be willing to say no to the things we really, really want in order to make the practical decision that's going to save us later. Um, I, I hope the gift of Caleb going, getting married someday without any debt is a gift that he'll never forget. You know, it's a gift he can give his wife. Right. It's like, for sure, I'm marrying you. Right. And it's a gift I'm giving you that we are not going to have debt, college debt to deal with. That's huge. Not even just that. But but whenever if, if he decides to have kids someday, yep. that is a gift that will yep. last for yep. generations. It really will. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. Um, anyway, we're a little bit over time now. So let's do um, some final thoughts. Uh, Jeremy, if you can wrap up kind of in a sentence or two. Maybe some quick advice that you'd give people trying to achieve. Yeah, I would ask yourself balance. two questions. What are you working for and how can you change that if you need to, right? How can you make some practical adjustments to your lifestyle, to your overhead? And then what does success look like to you? Um, if, if for you success means I'm going to run an, an agency with a bunch of different employees and I want to do this, this, I'm going to conquer the world, that's fine. Um, it may mean that you need to just make a couple adjustments and be a little more, more realistic about, about what those expectations are. You might get there someday, but, but, but that goes back into that same question. Like, what are you working for? Are, you know, if, if work-life balance is important to you, um, owning a made, uh, an, an agency with a bunch of different people working for you is probably not going to be the most beneficial thing for you. It just probably isn't. Um, the, it, you, you now are not only having to worry about your own life work-life balance, you're having to work, worry about five or six other people's work-life balance, uh, which just makes more work for you to try to figure out how to balance. So um, I, and, and, and I realize there are different people with different personalities and there are people that are cut out to do that kind of stuff. And thank God for them because there are some people I really admire that run some really great, great agencies like that. But, but I would just, you know, take stock in those two things. What am I working for? And what does success look like? Uh, and maybe it's time to just make a couple tweaks to those 
uh, and kind of reset some of those to, to, uh, to adjust your work-life balance. Love it. Shelby, final yeah. thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, I would say the same thing. It's just being able to know your own boundaries and what you want out of, out of what you want, what you want to do creatively, what you want to do within your own life and then what you want to do out of your work too. And being able to kind of, like we were saying earlier, mesh those boundaries, know how you can kind of make those flow together and being able to find what's comfortable to you and what you, yeah. what you can find out of your own process in that. Yeah. What I would say is um, something you kind of talked about a little bit uh, earlier on, Jeremy, and I think it's uh, find find your support and and support the others too. Um, you know, sometimes that I don't know. Sometimes it's different people. I mean, for for me, it's definitely my wife. She just just like you, just supports what I do. She doesn't understand a whole lot of it, honestly, but she is there to support yeah. in whatever way she can. And, um, I, I think it's really important, especially whether, whether you are married or not, whatever, whether you have a family or not, but like just finding those people that can, I don't know, that you can work with, I guess. Um, and that you can mm -hmm. have a real goal about, um, I, I see too many stories, uh, especially on Reddit. I don't know why, but, uh, too many stories of people that are saying like, Hey, um, I am trying to do better financially or something like that. And then, but my spouse is just thinks that I'm being silly or something. And it's like, to me, I'm like, that's the craziest thing ever. Like if you can't get on the same page with finances, like, I don't know, it's, it's a very difficult relationship. It's the number one reason for divorce because it's, it's the number one reason for divorce in America is financial stuff. Right. Right. And, um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's what I'd say is, um, find your support and make sure that, um, people are on the same page with you or find somebody that can potentially even hold you accountable for the mm -hmm. goals that you have and call you out when you accidentally buy a $4,000 watch or something. Accidentally. <laughs> it just fell onto um, my wrist. I don't know what happened. And then my wallet came out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been good Anytime. having you, Jeremy. Uh, like always, Anytime, love the I'd conversation. Love, I love having yeah, these conversations. Right. It's been great meeting you as well, Shelby. Um, and I look forward to maybe having another conversation on another topic sometime soon. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Yeah, I think we're going to I love it. Next, I'm there. So I really I'm so. ready. <laughs> uh, all right. That's it. Love you. Bye. The Command Z Show is created by Made by Things. And if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.